You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Stephen Carr. You can follow me on Twitter at SCargo. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Zags. Today is Wednesday, April 7th. And I'll be honest with you, the day after losing a national championship sucks. It sucked in 2017, and I think it sucked worse this year. Because everyone has to talk and make sweeping judgments about one game. So I'm going to go on one small rant, and then I'm not going to bring this up again. Casuals who don't watch the sport of college basketball don't understand this school. This season is literally the first time in the history of the program that they were the favorite to win the title. And if you actually pay attention, in my opinion, They've really only had three, you can argue four or five, but I'll say they only had three teams in program history that were complete enough and good enough to even win the national championship. Two of them made it to the national championship and lost. They've just become an elite program over the last five years or so. I mean, they were, in 2016, they were an 11 seed, and they almost missed the tournament altogether. So people saying... That Gonzaga is this perennial power every single year for the last 20 years is completely misinformed and simply doesn't pay attention. The program in 2007 is not the same as this program in 2013. And this program in 2013 is not the same as it is in the year 2021. This year, this program has become elite over the last five seasons. Everything that they did before that should not be compared to what they've done the last five years when they've been at this level. They've been two national titles in the last four years. They've been to six straight Sweet 16s. They've been to four Elite 8s. I can tell you 355 other fan bases who would take that success. So some of the narratives that are coming out of just one game where Gonzaga was supposed to win the national championship and ran into a team that was equal to them the entire season and lost, some of the stuff that's coming out of this is just ridiculous. For some perspective, as Rob Doster pointed out this morning, Coach K, he didn't win a national title until his fifth trip to the Final Four and his third trip to the title game. Dean Smith, widely regarded as one of the greatest coaches of all time, didn't win a title until his seventh trip to the Final Four and his fourth trip to the title game. But like most things in this world, there can never really be any nuance. Everything has to be black or white. And it completely discredits and disrespects both programs that played in that game on Monday And that's a shame because Gonzaga's season deserves to be celebrated and Baylor played one of the most dominant championship games in recent history and should be praised as one of the best champions of the last decade. And if you discredit Gonzaga, you're discrediting Baylor and that does them a huge disservice because they deserve to be celebrated. In sports and in life, you're allowed to credit one thing without discrediting another. So I'm going to get off my soapbox now. Today, on the podcast, we're going to put a final bow on that national championship game and the loss to Baylor. Uh, I'm going to play some of the press conference clips from after the game uh, from Coach Few and from Corey Kispert, and then I'll give some of my own final thoughts on the game along with some stats, both from the game itself and from the season. But like usual, let's catch up on some news and notes from the last 48 hours or so. 
Gonzaga baseball, they got a 5-2 victory Tuesday night over 20th-ranked Oregon State in Corvallis. Uh, They lost to Oregon State twice earlier this year, including on Monday, but they took Tuesday's game, and that makes their third road win this season over a ranked opponent. Uh, They took two out of three at TCU earlier this year. Um, Gonzaga entered this game ranked 33rd in the RPI, and Oregon State was 32, so they're probably going to jump over them and make jump into the top 30 uh, in the RPI coming out on Wednesday morning. Gonzaga will host St. Mary's this weekend. Uh, as I mentioned, oh gosh, probably Monday's pod. Um, Gonzaga is 7-2 in the WCC. They're alone in second place. They're right behind San Diego, who's 5-1. And, and uh, there is no WCC tournament this year, so... Um, the winner gets a automatic spot in the winner of the regular season gets an automatic spot in the uh, NCAA regionals, and Gonzaga is putting together a resume that may be on the bubble to get them an at-large as well. We'll see. The uh, Gonzaga men's basketball team is ranked top three in basically every single early top twenty-five for next season. That'll be something that we track over the next six months as. People make decisions on whether they're going to the NBA, whether they're staying, and then the uh, the transfer portal. And speaking of that transfer portal, the offseason is here, and the transfer portal is absolutely insane. Over 1,200 players are already in the portal because there's a one-time free transfer coming into coming into play this year, and it's basically just it's a free agency period. It's a free agency for college basketball, which is going to be just – incredibly interesting and almost impossible to follow, to be honest with you. Um, but you can go to verbalcommits.com and they've got every single name that's in the portal, what their old team was, what their new team's going to be, and they do a really good job tracking everything. So uh, I just want to give a rundown of everything we know around the West Coast Conference because there's so much going on starting at the bottom. Portland, as we know, has a new head coach in Shante Leggett's from Eastern Washington. Portland has 13 players who have put their name in the transfer portal, which is their entire roster. Um, but they've got two guys coming in that came with Shante Leggins, and that's Michael Meadows and Tyler Robertson. So Shante, if he really wants to, can basically have the ability to make his own roster from scratch, uh, if that's what he chooses to do. He's got 13 of Portland's old players that are in the portal. He's bringing two Guys in from Eastern with him, but he can basically do whatever he wants and kind of build that program from scratch. Hopefully he does a good job there. San Diego. The Toreros have eight players in the transfer portal, including Bron Hartfield, Yalen Masalski, Miriam Humphrey, some of the names that you might know. Uh, but they've added two guards, which I mentioned last week. They added two guards in Jace Townsend and Bryce Monroe, and they also added a forward in Terrell Brown. Pacific, they've got two players in the portal, and they added a shooting guard from Northern Arizona. Santa Clara has one of their backup bigs in the portal, and they added a really nice piece in P.J. Pipes, who's a 15-point scoring guard from Green Bay, along with a six foot eight forward who is a rotation player at Harvard. We mentioned LMU on the podcast last week as well. They've got one rotation player in the portal, and they added three really, really good guards in Cameron Shelton from Northern Arizona and then Quan Marble and Gary Harris Jr. as well. San Francisco, they've got two depth pieces in the portal and they haven't added anybody. Pepperdine, Robbie Heath and Andre Ball, two guys who would probably play uh, some significant minutes next year for them. Uh, both of them are in the transfer portal. Robbie Heath actually transferred to Pepperdine last year from Division Two. 
um, and they've added nobody yet. St. Mary's has no action whatsoever, nobody in, nobody coming out, and uh, BYU, we mentioned last week as well, they've got four guys inside the portal, Connor Harding, Wyatt Lowell, Jesse Wade, Colby Lee, all uh, exploring their options, and they have also added nobody. As for Gonzaga, the two biggest names to watch over the next couple weeks, number one is Walker Kessler, the big man from North Carolina. Um, is in the portal, and Gonzaga seems to be the favorite uh, to land him. Gonzaga was one of his final schools when he originally came out of high school. And then the other name to watch is Devin Askew, the uh, guard from Kentucky who's in the transfer portal. Gonzaga had interest in him when he came out of high school as well. And Gonzaga is going to need a guard in this offseason if Joel Ayayi is not going to come back next year. So, Devin Askew is probably the biggest name to watch currently. Uh, he started 20 games last year, averaged six and a half points, three assists, and 29 minutes a game for Kentucky. Like I said, Gonzaga had interest in him coming out of high school, so just keep an eye on that one. Coming up, for those who are too sad to watch the post-game press conferences, I will play some of the best highlights for you. And then we're going to discuss the game and how Baylor just took it to Gonzaga right from the opening tip. Before we continue, let me talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. They're perfect for keto diets. We just went through an incredible Built Bar madness where coconut brownie chunk beat out cookie dough chunk to become the Built Bar champion. But those aren't the only great-tasting flavors. There are over 20 incredible flavors that are all soft, easy to chew, and healthy. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy. It's also great for those looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The Cookies and Cream Bar has 17 grams of protein and only 170 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com or use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so for those that didn't catch any of Gonzaga's post-game press conference, uh, Mark Few and Corey Kispert talked about the game and their overall takeaways from the season. So we're going to go ahead and start with uh, Coach Few and his overall thoughts on Baylor ending their perfect season. A really, really tough one to end a storybook season on uh but listen Baylor just they 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 just beat us they beat us in every facet of the game tonight and and uh uh, deserve all the credit um and obviously we're all disappointed in here but you know as I told the guys like you know you make it this far and and you're 31 and 0 going into the last one the last 40 minutes of the season there's absolutely nothing you should ever feel bad about and they'll look back on this season as time passes is uh, uh something just uh amazing and uh incredible but it again just hats off to Baylor they they dominated us on both sides of the ball for us as fans Jalen Suggs was just an absolute joy to watch all season he provided us so many incredible moments I mean the minute the minute he stepped on the floor in his first game he postered some dude from Kansas on an alley-oop attempt. And as soon as that happened, I think all of us were like, all right, this team, they've got something. And I think they're national championship level good. Um, he ended his season with a 
performance in the title game after hitting that 32-foot buzzer beater in overtime to get them there. And so Coach Few loved every single second that Suggs has been in this program, and he talked about him after the game. He's a winner, and he lost for the first time in college basketball. So, uh, you know, he's, he's highly competitive, and he doesn't like losing. And, uh, you know, I think in, in his mind, he, he saw us cutting down the nets at the end of this. But, uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's also young, and as time goes by, he'll, he'll gain better perspective on, on what an incredible impact he, he had on this team and, and heck on college basketball. And, uh, uh, you know, we were, it was a blessing to be able to coach him. And he, and I thanked him for just how coachable and what a great teammate he was and, uh, and just what a winner he was. Not many people are as good at putting things into perspective as coach few is. And so his final message that he gave about his roster is another example of that. These guys have just a great enthusiasm about them. Uh, just such a positive uh, spirit, but yet, you know, such a competitive spirit. They're such all great competitors. And then, and then I, I mean, again, I just marvel at everything they had to deal with this year. I mean, our isolation every time we were on the road and, and uh, all the COVID protocols and the changes and, and not being able to practice and practicing and sitting out for 14 days and, and things like that. Yet they always had just a, an amazing uh, attitude and positivity about them that's just, uh, you know, you can't thank them enough. And they're, just, it's just, they're all going to be great successes as they move on as, you know, husbands and fathers and whatever they choose to do uh, with their lives because uh, they're, they're just such high character guys and and they have such a great uh, positive spirit about them. Corey Kispert stepped to the mic after Mark Feud. One of the first things he did was give us a glimpse into the post-game huddle uh, where we saw Drew Timmy talking to the entire team and he gave us kind of a, a sense of what that speech was about. He told us that he loved us um, and he wouldn't change a single thing. Um, he loved playing with his team. He loved fighting with us every day. Um, and you wouldn't want to do it with a different group of guys. Um, and Drew's been so authentic with us over the year um, that it was really nice to hear that from him. Uh, we all know uh, the kind of special group that this was and um, the kind of you know ending that we thought we deserved. And uh, you know Drew's been at the point of that. So um, coming out of his mouth was you know was really special. Corey Kispert finished his career as one of the winningest players in the history of college basketball. He talked about his feelings playing for this program and how he really wants to be remembered. I'm so grateful for, you know, being able to wear this name on my chest and so grateful to all the people who made this season happen, you know, in Spokane. And I'm grateful to, my, to our guys to, you know, for sticking with it uh, through the very end. And, um... A lot of the days weren't easy. There were a lot of really tough ones. Um, but, I mean, I'm looking back, and this has been by far the most special, you know, six months of my life. And, um, you know, I'm just so, so thankful um, that it turned out the way it did, um, just from top to bottom. I had so much fun. And, uh, well, like Drew said, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world.
Um, you know, being a Zag is much more than just the 40 minutes you put into the time you spend on the floor. Um, it means, you know, being a great person off the floor. It means being a great son, a brother, a great friend. And, um, you know, I want people to remember me um, for being able to do all those things as good or better than I played on the floor. And uh, I'm hoping that, you know, little kids out there um, look at our team and look at me and, um, you know, realize that they can kind of make it and, and do it the right way too. Coach Few is really good at passing on perspective to uh, pretty much all of his players, and Corey is really good at putting things into perspective himself. And he was able to kind of articulate at the end of his press conference uh, what this season has meant in the grand scheme of things amidst a global pandemic. You know, in life and in basketball, uh, you know, joy doesn't come without a little bit of suffering. You know, you can't have one or the other. And um, it's about kind of dealing with those, you know, painful moments in your life and finding joy in those. And um, that's where, you know, real happiness comes from. And I'm so um, thankful for the way that the, team handled adversity and handled suffering all year long and um you know i'm definitely a better person because of you know playing this year under the circumstances that we did uh you know taking punch after punch i guess from the world and you know this team stood strong all the way through i mean the story seems to have been told so many times this year but Corey kispert's career in spokane really is like the picturesque story of what a bulldog is um, you know, come in, work your tail off, get better every single year, become a leader by your senior season. It's just this this program has a way of developing kids into better players and better human beings. Um, and Corey is another success story in a long line of them. And I think a lot of that has to do, obviously, with Coach Few, but just the consistency of the coaching staff and the program that's just been there um, every step of the way over the last 20, 25 years. All right, coming up, it's time to put a final bow on the national title game. I'll give some final analysis, give some final stats from the game, some final stats for the season, and then we can move on to the offseason. But first, if you want to place a bet on any of the sports action out there, betonline.ag is the place to go. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to our website or use your mobile device today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Hey, football fans, it's April. And the Locked On NFL Network of Podcasts is shifting into draft mode. Join us April 19th through the 23rd for the Ultimate 2021 Mock Draft featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Brian Baldinger, and Michael Lombardi. Find out who trades up, who trades back, and who selects the next young star. Stay tuned for more info about where you can find the Ultimate 2021 Mock Draft. All right, I just want to give some uh, some general thoughts about um, just mainly the first, you know, 10 to 12 minutes of this game because that's pretty much where the game was decided. So um, Gonzaga actually started the game, what I thought was pretty smart, 
They put Drew Timmy on Mark Vital on the first possession of the game because they don't use Mark Vital a ton in ball screens. They would prefer to use Flo Thamba and Jonathan Chambachachua. So they put uh, Timmy on Vital and they put a guard on Chambachachua. And so they switched everything um, one through five. And because Vital wasn't involved in any ball screens, Timmy didn't have to switch out on anything on the first possession. And they actually forced, you know, not a high percentage shot. Baylor missed it. That's what they wanted out of the first possession. They got it. But then they gave up an offensive rebound. And then another one, and then another one. Three offensive rebounds in the first possession led to an open three. I don't want to say that Gonzaga obviously would win the game if they grabbed the first rebound. That is way too simplistic. But uh, if they grabbed that first defensive rebound, like there's a little bit of confidence that Baylor got uh, that wouldn't have been there. Say Gonzaga comes back down and, and gets a bucket and they go up 2 nothing to start the game and they land, you know, the first jab. Um, you never know how that game plays out. Instead, Baylor gets three offensive rebounds and hits a three. So basically, they don't land, you know, a jab. They land two jabs and a haymaker 35 seconds into the game. And you can kind of see that that very first possession gave Baylor a ton of confidence. Like, yeah, we're going to out-rebound these guys all night long. And especially Mark Vidal is the, the one who really, really killed him with eight offensive boards. So once that first possession happened and they saw that Timmy was on Vital, they started using Vital in a lot more of their actions so that um, Timmy would uh, have to switch or just guard ball screens in general. They used basically every single type of coverage that you could possibly use in ball screens. They hedged, they switched, they used drop coverage with Timmy. Eventually, they went to a zone. Like, they did everything that they could, and nothing worked. Like, Baylor just shredded them apart um, and took advantage of everything in the first half. They got off to a huge lead, and that was the ball game, right? I mean, Gonzaga cut it to 10 at halftime. They got a little bit of hope, um, but then in the second half, they missed two wide-open threes, a free throw, and a layup in, like, their first five or six possessions with a chance to cut the lead to, you know, six or seven points, something like that give yourself a little bit of momentum and they just could not capitalize on any of those opportunities. So it was really the first, you know, five to 10 minutes where this game was determined. Um, and you can really trace it back to the first possession where they did what they wanted. They forced a low percentage shot to start the game and they just couldn't grab uh, those first rebounds. And that just gave uh, Baylor a launching pad for the rest of the night. Gonzaga offensively, they play fast, obviously, but they're never really sped up. Like there's a difference between playing fast and being sped up. And Gonzaga got sped up early in this game. Um, I think you kind of saw it once Baylor went up, uh, was like four nothing or five nothing, something like that. And Jalen Suggs just tried to make a play and he ended up picking up a charge for a second foul, which was obviously a huge play in the game. Um, he was just completely out of control. And I think that had to do with Baylor you know, speeding up and making Gonzaga's life very uncomfortable, something that they hadn't really felt all season. So uh, it just, it was Gonzaga's worst performance of the year. And it was one of Baylor's best performances of the year, probably their best given the uh, circumstances. Gonzaga had uh, only 32 two-point attempts in the entire game, which is their third lowest total of two-point attempts uh, on the season. They only had 1.03 points per possession, which is their lowest of the season. Baylor, on the other hand, scored 1.26 points per possession in the national championship game. That is Gonzaga's second worst defensive output, not this year, but over the last eight seasons. That's how good Baylor was in that game. 
uh, on Monday night. And then the other number, which was just shocking, was Baylor's offensive rebound percentage was a whopping 48.5%, which means they rebounded. They got an offensive rebound on 48.5% of uh, possible offensive rebound attempts. Um, And so that number was the third worst Gonzaga number has allowed in the last 10 seasons. So Baylor was just completely dominant. They owned uh, that national championship game, and they deserve all the credit in the world. All right, so that's the depressing stuff that's out of the way. Let's talk about uh, some of the good stuff that came out of this season. Obviously, there's a ton. I mean, you could basically think of anything that you want, but just a couple extra stats to throw out at you. Uh, Drew Timmy had 122 points in this NCAA tournament. That puts him eighth all time for most points in GU history in NCAA tournament games. And he's only played in one tournament, and he's already eighth all-time with 122. Adam Morrison is number one with 149. So if Drew Timmy comes back next year and plays, uh, you know, two tournament games, he's going to finish uh, most likely number one for most points in uh, NCAA tournament games in GU history. Corey Kispert, he finished his career fourth all-time in uh, tournament points with 139. Those Stats are from our good friend Joshua Schwader. Gonzaga does finish the season uh, with the top overall two-point percentage in the history of the sport. They shot 63.9% on the season inside the arc, which is just absolutely insane. Um, And they actually shot uh, 62.5% inside the arc against Baylor. It's just they didn't shoot that many times because they didn't have that many possessions because Baylor had so many offensive rebounds and Gonzaga turned the ball over 14 times. Anton Watson shot 71.1% inside the arc this year. That is the second best two-point percentage in the history of Gonzaga. Uh, The only one that was better was Casey Calvary, and he shot 72%. So Anton Watson finishes 1% behind Casey Calvary uh, and is second all-time in two-point percentage in a season for Gonzaga. Okay, that's going to do it for today. Tomorrow and Friday, we are going to answer a bunch of your questions. Um, I've got a plan starting on Monday that will take us through probably the rest of April where we're just going to kind of do some uh, player previews, player reviews of the season. Uh, But until then, um, I want to just answer whatever questions you guys have. They could be about the men's team, the women's team, baseball, other things about Gonzaga, stuff about me. I mean, whatever you want me to answer, I will take the best ones and I'll answer them on the podcast the next two days. So if you have something that you would like me to answer, go ahead and tweet me at SCargo. That's at S-K-A-R-R-G-0. Or you can uh, tweet the podcast at LockedOnZax. Don't forget you can rate and review the podcast as well. We will see you back here tomorrow morning. And don't forget, it is a great day to be a Zach.